Thanks so much to Erica Typola for reading this week's gospel lesson while away at school in Alabama. It's good that she can stay connected uh, to uh, unity and it's so good for us to be able to hear and see her face. Have you ever had a time in your life Maybe you were the new person at work. Maybe you were meeting the family of someone you were seeing for the very first time. And there were a couple of people in the next room talking and you were trying to eavesdrop on their conversation just a little bit to see if by chance they were talking about you. But no matter how hard you strained your ears, you could only hear couple of words and you didn't have any idea what they had been talking about before then and you really didn't know the full context of their conversation but your mind started to try and fill in the blanks and figure out the meaning of what they were saying. Now, as tempting as that is to do, I do not recommend it at all. But it is kind of like what's happening in today's gospel. We walk in on Jesus in the midst of a heated conversation with Peter and the rest of his disciples. And we might not be tracking what all has happened prior to this. So... What happens is our mind might start to focus on the words that we hear. Words like suffering, rejected, being killed, cross. And when we do that, we might not fully understand what they all mean. And so we take them at the surface level value that we hear and we start to question in our minds, what, what place they have in Jesus's mission and his purpose. And we might also find ourselves reacting to the harshness of Jesus's words to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Whoa, those are incredibly strong words. To be saying to someone who is as close to you as Peter. And so we might find ourselves wanting to sort of slowly back away from Jesus altogether. But if we do, we're going to miss seeing and hearing what I think Jesus is trying to get at through these words that we hear today. Last week, Baron Brunke read the Gospel of Mark as it first began immediately with Jesus and his baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And John's baptism, as we hear, was one of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it's always perplexing to think about why it is that Jesus wanted, insisted to be baptized in the first place. What would he have to repent of? But what if John's baptism was not one of repentance for personal sins that people had committed, but what if it was for the collective sin of this world 
that we are all a part of simply through our existence in it. The sins of the parents that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation that become a part of this world. Not much has changed in all of history in that regard. There is always the other, the stranger, the foreigner, the leper, whatever way you choose to identify a person as. There are always people who are in need of healing in their lives, be it physically or emotionally or spiritually or socially. And you have to wonder sometimes if this kingdom of God isn't infinitely larger than we can even begin to comprehend or imagine. And while we often think of our loved ones doing the things that they most loved in this life, can you imagine what it would feel like to have no pain radiating through various parts of your body, to have no mental anguish ever, to have no feeling as if you don't belong, and to experience a peace in the simplicity of dwelling in the love and security of God's presence. Can you even begin to imagine? Maybe what John was doing in the River Jordan was trying to create a way and a ritual for people to come and to acknowledge the sin of this world that we are a part of simply by being in the world. But also to maybe make space and room for imagining what was possible, what is possible when the kingdom of God comes into its fullness. And if that is true, then maybe it makes perfect sense for Jesus to insist of John the Baptist that he baptize him. And after Jesus is baptized, we hear confirmation from the heavens of just who Jesus is. But after that, instead of being launched into the places where people live and work to begin this ministry, Jesus is instead is driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Not once, but three times. I'm pretty sure that I would have turned those stones into fresh warm bread with butter at the first mention of the idea. In fact, one of the things that I remember arguing about with Matthew way long before we got married, while I was still in school, had no money to my name, but while um, he had already been in the workforce for a while, um, and let's just say maybe had a bigger picture of what could be possible if you were wise about how you spent money. So we were in the store one day and uh, walking along and on a shelf, I saw a grilled 
cheese maker and it was even on sale and I immediately reached out to pick it up put it in the cart and Matthew started questioning me what are you doing what do you need that for when are you even going to use it and as I tried to explain to him it was perfect I could use it in my dorm room I would be able to eat grilled cheese every single day if I had this grilled cheese maker and it wasn't even expensive well none of that seemed to make any difference in his mind he just shook his head and said you don't need it you're not going to use it you're maybe going to use it once how many hours would it take you to have to work in order to pay for this grilled cheese maker? And then the biggest blow. You probably only really want this because right now you're hungry for a grilled cheese in this moment. Still remember that moment in time. It would have been easy for Jesus to reveal who he was, to reveal the power that he had there in the wilderness, but he didn't. He didn't give in to any of the temptations. And as he emerged from that wilderness place, famished, physically exhausted, he also emerged so much stronger in spirit because his purpose, his priorities, his mission was so crystal clear in his mind. And as he called the 12 to join him in this work that he was about to begin, to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come near and while he did his best to teach them and to reveal what this would look like and what it would entail peter and the rest of the disciples they saw something different in jesus they did believe that he was the messiah the anointed one of god the one that had been long promised now finally who had come but you just know that in peter's mind he was thinking that jesus would be like the great king david that he would be mighty and fearless great in battle that he would be able to overthrow the romans and restore to israel everything that it once had and that Jesus would be king, that he would be the one to lead God's people on earth. And if Jesus was king, then Peter surely and the rest of the disciples would have the most prominent places in Jesus's court. Wouldn't that be what you would want to dream would happen? But in reality, it would also be a very small piece of what could actually be possible in the unfolding story of history. 
an earthly king, as long as there is no outside threat, is only able to reign for as long as that king is alive. But what if the Messiah could have an impact, could have an authority, could have a power that would transcend even time and space? But one where you had to deny the instant temptation for gratification now in order for something far greater and eternal to eventually come to be. Thankfully, Jesus chose the wiser decision. Who knows what this week will look like for you, for me. Maybe you'll be in the marketplace to buy a grilled cheese maker or anything else that you want now, how you want it. Or maybe you will find yourself taking a step back from whatever catches your mind's desire at the moment. And when you do, you will notice someone or something will come to your mind. And you will remember that every time we do anything to recognize the other of one another, it is kingdom work. And every time we offer a prayer or an encouraging word, a kind gesture, an invitation, anything that is life-giving, that is healing in the life of the person who receives it. And chances are, those are the things that will far outlast any grilled cheesemaker. In every circumstance, though, that you feel yourself being led away from this work that you have been called to by Christ himself, and you have the power to speak to those forces that sometimes can work through the people who are closest to you. Get behind me, Satan. I've got kingdom work to do. Amen.